0: Hello, and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I am Matt, and we are back with another edition of our uh, 12 Days of Christmas series, where um, every day leading up to Christmas, we talk about a film that is uh, in the holiday spirit. So with that out of the way, we welcome back uh, one of our OGs here on Mashley at the Movies. It's Benny. Hi, Benny.
1: Hi. Hopefully I don't sound too bad through this phone.
0: No, uh, you sound good.
1: Get back. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has been. Well, you moved, you moved away, and we're we're happy to to be able to get you back through the magic of uh, of technology, I guess. Um, so yeah, so you picked this movie. The, this is um, 2004's uh, Polar Express, and why don't you tell folks about it?
1: Yeah, um, from the list you gave me, this is one that definitely has the most nostalgia for me, and um, it's. A pretty straightforward story. Uh, As we were just discussing, I thought the characters had names, but apparently uh, they're called Hero Boy and Hero Girl. (laughs) Um, This is the story of Hero Boy and Hero Girl, um, who are uh, both at an age where they're maybe starting to lose a little faith in Santa Claus and Christmas. Maybe they're starting to question if Santa is real. And uh, suddenly they're given an opportunity to ride on the Polar Express um, which is a magical train that will take them to see Santa Claus, and um, there's a uh, hijinks along the way. There's more characters that are introduced, like the the sad uh, the sad orphan or poor child uh, <laughs> Billy. And, um, some fun characters like the train conductor uh, as you go, but it's really just a story of the these kids um, going on a journey to. The pole to the North Pole to rediscover the magic of Christmas and rediscover their faith in Santa Claus and the holidays in general. Um, And as they go, you find out more about the characters. You meet a mysterious ghost and um, they – spoilers – the (laughs) – spoilers for this 20 year old movie (laughs) um in the end the the children do meet santa claus and they have this great experience it kind of has a melancholy ending actually with the bell but we can get into that later
0: yeah so um why what what uh, what what about this movie gives you a lot of nostalgia just maybe the age you were at when you saw it or just or or anything else about it specifically
1: um i think that even as a little kid i think i was eight when it came out pretty sure i saw it in theaters um with my with my father and brother um and i definitely have seen it several times since and uh i think that this is unlike most other christmas movies at least most more modern christmas movies because uh, it does like a film like who, what's the famous uh someone said it's like a real movie recently <laughs> Uh, it does feel like it's like a real film. It's a piece of art that has uh, a real message and it's trying to convey it to you and it is conveying it to you artfully and subtly where I feel most Christmas movies, even as a kid experiencing them, they're very consumerist. They're very, here's the Christmas, uh, all the Christmas highlights, beat you over the head with it, <laughs> have an hour and a half uh, and then you're gone where this one is is much more, well conceived and artful and thoughtful, I think, than most Christmas movies. Which isn't to say that this is a you know a masterpiece, uh, an artistic masterpiece. But I do think it's good. Uh, it's a good film on, on its
0: own right, which I, I I don't apply to most Christmas movies. <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah, you know, a lot of Christmas movies are kind of corny or schmaltzy, and you know that's cool. But I mean, for a lot of the time with them, yeah, too.
1: So it's okay. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> So, like, this movie is almost 20 years old, and this is actually my first time watching it um, in order to talk uh, coherently about it for this podcast. And um, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, you know, it's uh, it was engaging. I, I loved the score. Um, Adam Silvestri did the score. Um, Robert Zemeckis, you know, who had worked on, who framed Roger Rabbit, among other things, um, you know, he did... The, the, the direction here, which you know has a, this is all like it's a weird combination of like um, motion capture and then you know animation layered over that, like you were yeah. talking about. Um, it was weird. I, there was I had this these thoughts about it that I wasn't able to articulate, and then after I watched it, I read Roger Ebert's review, and that kind of helped me uh, form like some better thoughts on it, which is. One, it's kind of... There's this sort of unsettling vibe to it throughout. Yeah.
1: It's a little eerie.
0: Yes. Which I think I like. And, you know, like Ebert talked about how... He compared this to Willy Wonka in The Chocolate Factory, the the Gene Wilder version, where both that movie and this movie have very distinct worlds that they create and that uh, they kind of drop you into. And then both of them also, yeah, they have this kind of unsettling thing to where it's kind of wondrous, but it's also... Um, something a little sinister, or something a little like you, you're not you're not totally comfortable, right? Um, yeah. Which is kind of a good, I don't know, like I kind of like that about you know, I, they say kids movies, but family films or whatever. I like it when there's a little bit of an undercurrent of something that makes you a little feel a little off.
1: Uh, yeah, I I think I have some thought a thought on that, which is that. <clears throat> it works so well when kids movies do that for everyone is uh, that you know those kids those movies the two that you named are examples of kids being shoved into basically adult situations these are, these are like adult things so being <laughs> a, a lone passenger on a train is an adult thing to do and in uh, touring a factory is an adult thing to do <laughs> um these they're not like kids things and I think that this that sort of like discomfort that they put in it uh actually adds to the experience of the adult viewer, um, experiencing it in a childish way because, uh, the children from our perspective should be uncomfortable. There should be something that they're not understanding, something that's a little, um, unsettling about being in the middle of adult situations. (laughs) But that's just, that's a thought I had.
0: Yeah. Um, i found that you talked about how they they do meet up with santa claus at the north pole that was very interesting like everything from like the architecture of the north pole to these denizens like so these elves are the are very there's like thousands of elves and they all kind of gather together like in the town square and like have this um i mean they just almost kind of worship santa claus right uh
1: yeah, I've heard people describe it. I've heard people. I read people describe it as uh, that it makes the North Pole seem like corporate or like a company. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't. I they make it kind of seem militaristic to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, like a, like you're in a in a military base when the kids are running around there, and mm-hmm. it's just also orderly and structured. And the the elves. If I it has been. I didn't rewatch the movie right before this, but if I remember right, the the elves, the elves that yell at them as they're running around, they don't sound like silly elves. It sounds like a, like a getting yelled at by a
0: sergeant as you run by. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of, uh, what do you think of Tom Hanks doing so many roles? I mean, he does the train conductor. He does Santa. He does this hobo that like rides on top of the train and he plays, yeah, he plays the, the father of hero boy. So he plays a lot of roles. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that as a kid, I didn't notice um as a a child it certainly didn't bother me um but i think it's generally a decision that i don't love is to have one voice actor do a lot of characters uh but i guess that is sort of the one of the conceits of this film is that it's tom hanks getting back together with the director that he did forrest gump with and uh and another big movie of tom hanks right
0: I can't remember, but yeah, certainly Forrest Gump was a big deal.
1: Yeah. Um, so th- this is kind of like their project. So I guess that that might be a case of uh, of may- maybe there's some behind the scenes reasons that I don't understand. But it sounds kind of like a case of this was their big project, and they come- wanted to do more. He wanted to do all those roles, and it's his things. So it's his project. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but it didn't bother me as a kid, which I think is. One of my most important considerations is how kids would take this. I didn't even notice um, until it was pointed out to me by my father, like the third or fourth time we were watching it. Oh, wow. No. <laughs>
0: um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's weird. Like, I liked him as the conductor and I liked him as the hobo. Um, the Santa thing, I don't know. Like, it had basically Santa Claus looking like Tom Hanks or a little bit. And then... The voice of Santa was hilarious because again, I can totally see as a kid not maybe catching on, but I'm sitting there like watching it last night, and it sounds like Tom Hanks doing a different <laughs> voice trying to sound like Santa.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's some voice actors I've been, uh, in you know uh, animated in the animated world who can pull off very very different voices and you never even know but tom hanks has a very distinctive voice and like i said as a kid i didn't notice but as an adult i'm sure i (laughs) did yeah that's hanks talking
0: you are right by the way that so robert zemeckis and tom hanks did another movie together before this called castaway oh yeah and then i guess just this year i haven't seen this but they did uh a version of Pinocchio together. I haven't heard good things about it, but I actually haven't watched. Oh, it.
1: Oh, was that so. Disney remake? Yeah. The, those?
0: Yep, the Disney Plus version. So, yeah.
1: Interesting. I wasn't there. Just uh, that's uh, that's getting off into the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, uh, uh, del Tor- Guillermo. Wow. <laughs> Guillermo
0: del Toro. Yeah, he did a the, version of Pinocchio. The, that's actually pretty the, good. Uh,
1: Pinocchio too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah actually really i really I, I really like this you know my only like quibbles with this movie are the, the i mean seriously that i wish tom hanks would have not done so many roles and i guess if that's the if that's the only thing i'm really not not down with i think it's that's pretty good yeah and i think the plot is really tight
1: um it's a very simple so you might think it's hard to mess it up but that i've i've seen every story get messed up um but the the plot is very tight with just uh, the with the special conceit of the story that santa claus's um god-like <laughs> magical powers are shepherding them on this journey uh things that might have spiraled the plot out as an element that they put in like uh, when hero girls plane ticket gets blown out of the train but uh but then it just circles back and you get to keep the plot contained on the train and keep that element, um, with the benefit of some magic. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of elements like that where, uh, as long as you're willing to accept that this is a magical world where magical things are going to happen, I think the plot never drags. It just, and it is, uh, consistent all the way through, which I highly appreciate, especially in our modern age <laughs> of, of plotting.
0: I agree, yeah. And, and that that scene you just mentioned where the girl loses her ticket and then it flies around and then it ends up back on the train. That was a really cool sequence.
1: Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, I, you just saw it more recently than me, so uh, mm-hmm. you could probably speak at it better. But I, I remember that they, they used a lot of those moments that could have been silly to kind of highlight the beauty of the setting and the scene.
0: Yeah i kind of now wish i had seen this in the theater when it came out because i th- I think the sound i mean the visually it's really quite stunning and then sound wise um yeah i could just see where it would make a big impact in the theater so um because i mean <laughs> so i actually had the volume turned up kind of high because uh my uh, we have a sound bar here and That doesn't do dialogue too well, so we have to get that on on movies. We have to get the sound kicked up. And then, though, when the Polar Express shows up for the first time, it was, (laughs) yeah, it was quite loud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I actually have a distinct memory of uh, it might actually be the part where the train is sliding on the ice, Mm. uh, but I have a distinct memory of the seats in the theater shaking under me Mm. uh, when I'm watching it. Nice. They didn't. <laughs> they, they, they didn't go subtle with the sound design. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, yeah, I think I think we both agree this is a is, is, a, is a modern classic. Um, what would you give this of ten? It's
1: so hard. Um, as a as a Christmas movie, I would give it a ten What's out now? of ten. Um, as a movie in general, probably a seven point five.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: I think it's really good. Uh, it's not... When you compare it to more ambitious adult projects, the scale of it makes it hard for me to place next to uh, with, you know, with more complex themes and characters. But I, I don't see much wrong with the movie. I don't see any mistakes they made. So I, I think an eight's fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to go with an eight, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, our score is an eight. And that is Polar Express. You, you can, you know, <laughs> you can stream it anywhere, pretty much. And uh, now I understand why a lot of places have these Polar Express rides uh, around this time of year. It, it, it uh, yeah. makes a lot of sense.
1: I, I wonder if it's more popular than I realize it is, too. Because I don't. It's not mentioned to me very often, but I do see that it seems to have some a lasting cultural effect. I know the po- the Polar. What was this? Hmm? Was the, wasn't the initial idea of a Polar Express, was it? Or was it?
0: Well, I don't know. This is based on a book. Um, hmm. And I don't know how popular the book was before this. But, yeah, I mean, I've actually never been on one of these Polar Express rides. So I don't know how much it mimics the movie or or if, it's a, if they're their own thing. But, yeah.
1: It seems like it's had a lasting cultural effect anyway. And uh, that is a hard enough thing to do on its own. So that, that's a triumph on its own. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, changing the face of a holidays.
0: <laughs> all right, so that's uh, an eight from us for the Polar Express, um, Benny. Uh, it's always awesome to have you on the on the podcast, and uh, thank you. Thank f- you. Yeah, and uh, uh, thank you all for listening.